Welcome everybody to the show. We're super excited to be presenting this content today and it's part of a series of webinars that we've been running for MSPs over the past few months um, that have all been really popular and today we're going to be talking about how to crush it with an outsourced help desk um, and some of the best practices for building a scalable MSP. My name is James Vickery and I'm the CEO of Benchmark 365. I'm also really pleased to be joined by Nadi Forteach, our business relationship coordinator at Benchmark. Hello, Nadi. Hello, everyone. Before we kick off, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, what our organization is committed to uh, in the channel. So um, one of the reasons that we're running this webinar today is we've just reached uh, five years, heading into six years of running Benchmark 365, over 20 years in the industry, which makes me feel super old. Um, but we've been around for a while and um, a lot of people say, why do you put out a lot of content around sales or around marketing or around like, aren't you just an outsourced help desk provider? And the truth is we actually don't really see ourselves as an outsourced help desk provider per se. It's obviously an offering that we have, but rather we see ourselves more of an educator. We feel that we have a lot to give in the channel after working um, with all of the complexity of running an MSP um, over the last couple of decades. We feel like we've learned a lot. And since we started Benchmark, we've met hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of MSPs and feel like we've kind of tested the edges of everything. We've sort of seen what works and what doesn't. Um, and we want to produce content to give people ideas on how to run a more effective business. So our vision is to be the global benchmark for managed service providers. We want to be a source of good practice and best practice. We want you to feel like you can contact us and ask us what is the best way to execute a particular function in our MSP. It's something we're really passionate about. And again, that's backed up by some of the content that we're putting out there as well. All of our webinars are recorded. So those of you that are attending today, if you want to re-listen and recap some of this content, you can visit our website, click on the podcast link, and you can see there that the last couple of webinars are up there as well. If you're struggling with sales, if you're having any sort of challenges in winning new business, I encourage you to check out the last couple of episodes. If you're looking for a business transformation, I um, encourage you to start at episode one. <clears throat> All right, let's get started. And let's talk about the perfect... MSP business, kind of like the dream, kind of like what maybe some of the vendors told us was going to happen when we started our managed services practice. And the perfect MSP business, um, first and foremost, is staff are just easy to find. You know, they're in abundance, um, they're highly skilled, they expect reasonable pay, and they ensure that you have a really strong margin in your business. And the technicians that you employ, they have really consistent output every day, all year round, tick, 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 same, same volume, same output every single day of the week. And client needs are always predictable. You know exactly when they're going to call and you know exactly what's going to come down the line and how much investment and effort you need to put into their business every day. And your sales pipeline is steady and consistent. You know exactly what's coming down the line from a pipeline perspective. You know when it's going to drop, how much money is going to come in, and what resourcing you'll need to uh, successfully complete that work for the customer. And that work never collides with your help desk. You never have to tap one of your help desk people and drag them into projects or vice versa. Everything's just automated. We bought an RMM, we installed the agent, and away you go. 
it's all automated and it's working. And your fees are growing year on year. They keep pace with wage growth and inflation. You're able to sit down with your customer and say, hey, things are getting a little bit more expensive, so I'm putting your prices up. And you're able to just do that annually um, because the customer values you and what you do. It sounds awesome, but we've never met anyone that's been able to achieve the perfect MSP. There are always things to be improved. There are always things that don't quite go to plan. And the hard truth about running an MSP today is that talent is actually really hard to find, train, and retain. And a lot of people have said to us lately, well, that's just because of COVID and that's because of the great resignation. But I don't think that's true. I think that it has accelerated due to COVID and we're seeing that across every industry sector and we're seeing it globally. But I think MSPs have always struggled to find, train and retain talent and it's been getting harder year in, year out. And humans aren't machines. We like to be superheroes sometimes, but humans are not like machines. Sometimes they have amazing, incredible throughput, and other times they do not or cannot produce at consistent levels for your company. And that is not a judgment on humans. We all sometimes perform at our best, and other times we don't. And sometimes we hire really great people and they, and if you look, some, some, sometimes we look at MSPs and we look at their stats and there's always a couple of superstars and there's always a couple of stragglers. And I think that's just the way it is. And clients are highly unpredictable. They're not predictable at all. Sometimes they want it all now and they bombard you with a whole bunch of issues, whether that's your fault or not, whether it's your stack or not that caused the problem. And sometimes they don't value you at all. Sometimes they're like, why do we have an MSP? Everything's working fine, which is counterintuitive to the business model that many of us sell because we expect our customers to value the fact that their IT is running fine. But instead, they reduce the price tag when it's running well. Fees are stagnating. And this was the basis of our book, Infinite Scale. Fees have been declining in the managed services industry for 20 years. When I speak to MSPs today and we analyze their financials and what they're charging their customers, sometimes, more often than not, we find that they're charging less than we were charging as a service provider back in 2003. And that doesn't make sense when there is wage growth and inflation that has been exponential in the last two decades. And some things, despite what you're told by your RMM vendor, cannot be automated. The most successful MSPs we know of in the world have huge amounts of human capacity. They may well have an RMM and other tools, but they still have a lot of people or people capacity through outsourcing and other factors. And competition is cheaper and more aggressive than ever. Now, naturally, this is anecdotal, but there are at least 100,000 IT service providers worldwide, with a large percentage of those being in the continental United States. That is a lot of competition. And as a result of a lot of competition and a low barrier to entry, price pressure 
is on every MSP today. We call that the invisible hand of the market. And so these are the realities of running an MSP today and to some degree running an MSP ever. And why don't MSPs scale? We've studied the financials of thousands of MSPs over the last five to six years since we started Benchmark 365. And very few MSPs ever make it beyond $1 million in annual revenue. And those that make it beyond $1 million in annual revenue often spend more than a decade doing so. And so sometimes when we look at those businesses, we say, awesome, you're doing 2 million or 3 million or maybe even more, but they've spent an entire career building that revenue up. And so why is that? The number one reason by far is the people conundrum. MSP revenue is directly attributed to human capacity. More people equals more output, more output equals capacity for more clients and more clients equals more revenue. It's a really simple formula in theory, but in reality, it's a very, very difficult thing to deliver as I'm sure many of you can relate to right now. There is a lack of capital in the managed services industry in general when you're a DIY MSP. What I mean by DIY is you start up an MSP with relatively limited capital because you don't feel that you need it. Because you can go and you can win some services and you earn money right away. Unlike a product business where you often have to invest and fill a warehouse full of stock and then go out and sell it and hope that those two things align so that you don't lose money, services are usually very turnkey. But that creates a conundrum for many MSPs because hiring expert talent senior talent or hiring excessive talent is really capital intensive. And many of us find that to be a chicken and egg scenario. You can't sell what you don't have, but you can't hire without capital. And so that's a really big problem that relates to the people conundrum. And ultimately, if those two issues are not resolved, there is insufficient sales because most MSP owners and their core people focus all of their energy on retaining the customer revenue that they have without spending the time, the critical time needed to go and win new business. Without delivery capacity, most MSPs do not focus their energy at all on revenue generation activities as evidenced by the average MSP not going beyond $1 million in annual revenue. These are, these are facts, these are stats, this is consistent across the managed services industry, and it's actually consistent across most service industries around the world today. And so when we talk to MSPs about that, they say, yeah, but there's really not that much work out there anyway. We're struggling to find business. And again, when I say to them, how much time do you spend looking for business? It's negligible. It's actually not much at all, and sometimes it's nothing. But people say to us all the time, oh, we're really struggling to find work, yet that's not consistent with the data. Gartner every year analyzes the worldwide IT spending and their forecast is that this year, the industry service industry is 1.3 trillion US dollars. That is a boom. That is the biggest we have ever seen since managed services came into fruition. Now, of course, 
some of these services don't apply to you. Some of them are, you know, related to corporate IT spend, for example, but it's still a pretty darn big number. And it's a lot more than what most of us can even contemplate achieving in business. I think that the managed services industry in the United States alone is at least a couple of hundred billion dollars. So those of you that are saying there's not enough work, I'm, I'm challenging you to think about things in a much bigger way. And it's not that there's not enough work, but maybe there's not enough capacity to, to go and find that work. And if you're sitting in a regional area or a really low, you know, sort of a smaller market, I'm not trying to discourage you by saying there's heaps of work, it's just not where you are. I'm trying to challenge you to say to broaden your horizons. We've seen many MSPs move beyond the borders of their town or city or state or even country and are thriving right now. And I'd like to see all of you doing the same if you want to grow your MSP. And I know what you're thinking right now. So James, the answer is outsourcing. You know, you're a hammer, we're a nail, everything's outsourcing. And that's not what we're here to talk about today. I would actually say that most outsourcing engagements fail. And people say to me, why say that? You provide an outsourced help desk. But traditional outsourcing, traditional outsourcing of, of, of the kind that um, many MSPs have attempted before, has an unacceptably high failure rate. When we meet MSPs, they usually come with some battle scars. And many of them say to us, we've tried this before and it didn't work and we had a really hard time. And I'm not here to discredit any vendor out there because outsourcing is actually a really, really challenging thing. It's a contact sport. And many MSPs are accustomed to hiring a vendor and setting and forgetting and saying, you know, I've outsourced that function now, or I've bought that tool now, and it should just work, and I should be able to move on to other things. But that's not true when it comes to outsourcing. Outsourcing is very hands-on, and I, I think a lot of MSPs and vendors don't get this right. And not all outsourcers are actually built alike. Some don't understand MSP, even if they put MSP on their website, some don't actually fundamentally understand the challenges of working with SMEs, which I believe most of you do. Most of us do work with small companies, but many outsourcers, the big players in the market work with big companies and it's a different animal. And I guess the best way I can describe that is if you've ever hired a, an, a technician from corporate IT, a technician that's never worked in an MSP before and tried to educate them on working in an MSP where things are much faster paced and, and it's life and death sometimes. It, well, I don't want to over-dramatize, but the customer makes you feel like it's life and death. Um, that a lot of them do not adapt. And that's been our experience when seeing some of the larger outsources there as well. When it comes to any form of outsourcing, there's really no such thing as a quick fix. Slow and steady wins the race while nothing good ever came from haste. We've seen many, many MSPs say, urgent, it's urgent, I've just lost uh, senior tech, can we hire you right now? And the answer is no, you can't. We need to go on a journey together and we need to, we need to fix the underlying challenge, which is the delivery platform and the people conundrum itself. So nothing ever, nothing ever gets solved with urgency when it comes to outsourcing. And you need to plan it, plan, calibrate, execute. And I would say that that's an endless cycle because 
it's a service, not a technology. Welcome to the webinar and we'll talk about the agenda now. And first of all, we're gonna talk about our battle scars as an outsourced help desk. It's been five or six years. And we started with a really, really unique approach. And it was something that nobody had ever tried before. And we knew that it would come with a lot of challenges. And so we just went for it to see what would those challenges be and how will we address them? And we've come a really long way in that time in what is a very complex and volatile space, not to mention it comes with at a time um, of, of unprecedented time with COVID. We're gonna talk about the other side of the experience, what MSP, what we've, what we've seen in terms of MSPs and how they engage with outsourcing and what maybe works and what doesn't. How you define your goal and plan for success. Remember what I said before, this isn't something that is done in haste, this is a plan and that needs to be measured. Handle the customer objections. They're the wild card. Pilot before taking flight. How do you build a prototype of outsourcing and minimize your risk before you go big with an outsourcing engagement? Where should your focus be once you've executed outsourcing successfully? And I'm also going to share some success stories along the way. Plenty of time for questions at the end and lots of literature and resourcing for you guys to follow through if you want to continue the learning journey um, beyond this webinar today. And I hope you do. Let's get into it. So as I said um, from the start of this webinar today, we've been doing uh, MSP for 20, almost 20 years. I started my MSP in 2003. It wasn't an MSP back then. I was Mr. Fix-It, James, you know, went around climbing under desks, selling computers, building PCs, doing all of this crazy stuff. Um, and eventually our business started to mature as I started to educate myself as an entrepreneur and started to hire people and went through all the pain that many of you guys have been through or going through um, as managed service providers today. And then um, several years ago, we made a decision to um, outsource and we had some poor experiences with outsourcing. And then we decided to build our own team offshore and we had um, plenty of gray hairs. I always say to people, I'm 20 years younger than I look. We tried all of these different things. It was really radical. And eventually we landed on a model that worked brilliant for us. And so what we did then is we were like, it works brilliant for us. It, it can, we can shortcut this process for everybody else and it can work brilliant for them too. And the mistake we made in the early stage is that assumption alone, that all it, like, because we operate a certain way, that other MSPs operate the same way what we do. But we now know with many, many years of experience and many, many challenges with, with Benchmark that not all MSPs are alike and we needed to tailor our programs to suit the sizing and the challenges and circumstances of the MSP um, and meeting them where they're at. We also learned that we need to know a bit more about what's going on for the MSP including the business owner and, and, and leadership. If that's a larger MSP, we need to know what they're going through at the moment. When we first started Benchmark, it was very much a turnkey, pick a service. How many tickets do you need per month delivered? What do you need in terms of time of day of support? And away you go. 
But as we've gone on, we've realized that there are a lot of underlying challenges and some of them are quite personal. Perhaps the MSP business owner is going through you know, a, a relationship is issue at the time and they can't really focus on the engagement. Or perhaps they've just lost a, an anchor client, which is a big event and that many of us have been through as well. Or maybe they're having some, you know, some tumultuous um, health issues. Who knows? But what we've learned is we really we need we need our partners to be in a good headspace for this because it's a journey and we need to work very, very closely together. We also tried in the early days to say sign up and let's go. And we didn't spend a lot of time educating the MSP on how to, that they needed to be in a seat working closely with us for a few months. And we saw a lot of MSPs say, awesome, I've outsourced, I'm out, see you later, I'm going to go on vacation. And that happened a lot of times. And of course, they would go on vacation and we'd be answering the telephone and the customer would be saying, who the heck are you and where are you from? And it would, it would cause no end of problems. Um, and that resulted in um, not, a good, not, not a good look for either party, not for the MSP and not for us. We also learned that goals need to be very, very clearly defined and that we can't have a lot of goals. MSPs often come to us with 20 years of problems, people problems, cash flow problems, sales problems, marketing problems, delivery problems, you know, you name it, contracts that are underperforming, you know, personal issues. And all of those things I think we can help with by solving the people conundrum, by freeing up their time, but we can't solve them all at once. And so we need to define at least one clear target when we engage with an MSP. And outsourcing is ever evolutionary because it's a people play. The service needs to keep adapting as the MSP reshapes itself. And so sort of back to my original point, there's no one size fits all because when outsourcing starts to work, then the business changes. You know, the volume of work changes, the customer dynamic changes, the uh, expectations change. And so we've learned to continuously engage along the way with our partners that are growing. And some of them are growing exponentially as a result of outsourcing, which is really cool. Our insights, yeah, so those are the sort of the challenges and mistakes we've made. Our insights on the other side of the, of the coin um, are from the MSP side is that this is a business transformation. And whereas before it sounded a bit more like, let's build on top of your foundation, we've, we've learned that we need to build a new foundation, a new delivery platform that solves the people problem once and for all. So if you've got a, a, a broken foundation and you try to build on top of it, it will fail. And we found that a lot of MSPs that we're working with have some challenges um, did not have the operational maturity that we that we had. And so we're trying to apply our operational maturity to a broken foundation. And so really, in order to make outsourcing a success, it's not about building on top of, but rather rethinking the dynamic altogether. We also have to communicate now to MSPs that this is a walk before you run exercise. Business transformation, think about the, the language here, business transformation requires a whole group of people to get together and to change expectations from the customer to internal team members, to benchmark, to whoever, but there needs to be a whole change, a whole new way of thinking. And that takes time. People don't love change, has been my experience. And for larger companies, this could be a very big exercise, possibly a year or more, to really um, make the investment 
to get this right and to start seeing the benefits. We have also observed that a lot of MSPs are wired for a tech solution. So the conversation often turns to the stack. This isn't a stack problem. Stack is stack. You know, there, there are always tools to be fine-tuned and calibrated and there's always a tech solution out there um, and they're changing all the time too. But this is not a tech solution. You don't roll out a bunch of agents and go, great, outsourcing work, see you later and I'm going to go and take a vacation. This is a, a people play, which means there are humans. There are challenges, there are problems, there are mistakes. There are all the things that you would expect from humans to happen, still happen, but in a more quality controlled way. Proactive customer expectation management is key. And if I could reflect on probably the biggest, um, the biggest insight we've had in the industry to date is that there is a lack of account management. Often MSPs um, want to set and forget, you know, um, um, it's working, I don't need to talk to my customer. But it's only working until it's not working. And so building trust and going out and seeing customers, obviously with COVID that's been a challenge, but I, I recommend people step that up now or at least go virtual. But you need to set expectations with your customer constantly and they need to be reminded constantly of what was agreed to and that what's changing and why you're doing it. And we've observed that a lot of MSPs avoid tough conversations and tough conversations are a part of business and a part of life. We've also observed that a lot of MSPs approach outsourcing as a, um, as a, as a behind the scenes thing. And that has a 90% failure rate. It's staggering. It's a 90% failure rate. And when you think about it, it kind of makes sense why. If you don't trust an outsourcer, and you're like, I only want you to work in the middle of the night, then how are you ever going to bring that outsourcer up to a certain level of tribal knowledge in, in, in your business? How are they going to get to know you? How are they going to feel an empathy for your customers the way that you do if they've never spoken to you, you know, during a kind of a, a day or work together with you on a key issue? Now, that's not to say you can't flip over to an after-hours service with an outsourcer, but our very strong advice is that you start with business hours and you move to after hours. Once the trust is built and the framework is established and everything's working the way you want it to. So these are just a couple of, to both sides of the fence in terms of what we've, what, what we've, we've learned and feel that we should do differently and what we've seen, MSP, how we see MSPs approach outsourcing and maybe needs a rethink. One of the biggest success stories to us um, at Benchmark, and we have a lot of them. Um, we've talked about a lot of challenges and failures, but there's been a, well, wonders and blunders, I guess I like to call them. But we've had a lot of really successful stories too. And this is um, a great partner of ours. And for those of you that have been, ever been to Australia, um, he's in a very remote regional part of Australia that's not world renowned for technology. It's not Silicon Valley. <laughs> it's, it's the back blocks of um, Queensland, which is, um, you know, just a big, you know, really big state and um, kind of likened um, it, to some degree to sort of regional Texas. And um, Jeremy came to us and said, I'm having a really, really tough time. This was a few years ago. He was only turning over a few hundred thousand dollars, despite the fact that he'd been in business for me like many years. And he had a few staff and they were struggling. You know, the whole thing was struggling. And he said, I'm going to try outsourcing. And if this fails, I'm, I'm just out. I don't want to do it anymore. And I think some of you might be able to relate to that. Yeah, it's like, if this, if we can't get over this hump, I'm done. And so I said, sure, let's work together as early stages for Benchmark as well. And so we worked really closely together. 
And over time, what we observed is that um, Jeremy, Jeremy's, uh, some of Jeremy's team left the company. One gentleman retired, another person was a non-performer and they left. And eventually Jeremy landed on himself um, doing sales and a, an offsider, and her name is Amanda, doing quotes. And um, Jeremy's company is now $1.8 million in annual revenue. He works from home, Amanda works from home. He's forecasting 30% growth this year. All Jeremy does is knock on doors. I focus 80% of my time on customer acquisition. How many of you focus 80% of your time on customer acquisition? By outsourcing the help desk and project work, I'm virtually one of the largest MSPs in our region. Again, now keep in mind, most MSPs do not scale beyond $2 million. So he's a one-man a, a one band with an offsider at almost $2 million. And he has no, you know, he has no overheads. So outsourcing can be a very, very powerful thing when it's delivered effectively by the outsourcer and when the partner, the MSP, is engaged and follows the methodology. One of my favorite sayings of late, because there's been so many big challenges in business and in life and COVID and all sorts of things. And um, some of you that know me know that there's been many, many mountains and rivers to cross um, in my business journey and life journey as well. But one of my favorite sayings to my team is, how do you eat an elephant? And it's one bite at a time. And my observation of MSPs is that we have, so, we attempt so many things all at once. We're changing documentation platforms. We're changing PSA. We're working on a new solution. We're working on a project. We're trying to win a customer. We're, you know, we're trying to um, implement QBRs. And all of these things are important, but it, it's also important to stop and have a goal. And my recommendation when it comes to outsourcing is to pick one element one element that you want to outsource effectively within the next 90 days. What is one thing that is a bit stop-start for you? For many MSPs, that is just simply people retention. If you've found that you hire level ones, you train them, they work for you for a while, and then they get sucked up by corporate, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. So perhaps the solution for you is to not have to do that again to just outsource that and be done with it and to set a 90-day target to do it. So some things that you can consider are to pick a group of customers to outsource. Perhaps there are five to 10 customers that you want to outsource and have an execution plan and offer them 24-hour-a-day service. Perhaps there are a certain set of service types that you'd like to outsource. Perhaps there's something that you know, it, you know, it needs to, it needs a just in time service or it needs a scheduled service and your people are distracted and they're not getting to it as effectively as they should. Maybe it's outsourcing level one or level two or level three or dispatch or all of it. Now, don't get me wrong. Many MSPs come to us and outsource the whole thing, the whole shooting match. And we've done it and it's been really successful for some and it hasn't for others. It's a bit, it's an ambitious exercise. It's a very ambitious exercise, particularly if you've been in business a long time and you have 100 customers, this is a big business transformation for you and for them, not to mention a lot to absorb for an outsourcer. Have a clear set of goals and focus your team. The outsource team 
uh, focus your outsource team on the goal and you have a much higher pr probability of long-term success. MSPs that go into a 90-day program with us have a 75% chance of success. Remember we said before, people that don't have a plan have a 90% failure rate. It's a pretty big difference. When you outsource, regardless of who or what you outsource, it's important to work hand in hand and have a clear division of roles. So as someone that's built a reasonably large company now, I understand the power of definition of roles, division of labor, we call it. <clears throat> who does sales? Who does account management? Who does execution? Who does, um, who does quoting, right? And so the, the basic division of labor between an outsourcing and an, an outsourcer and MSP is the outsourcer is the delivery engine, ticket, 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 but they're not account managers. Their job isn't to manage your customer expectations beyond the level of tickets. So yes, we'll get to your ticket, um, Mr. Customer, within the next hour, but you know, having strategic conversations or dealing with um, like long-standing commercial issues with a customer falls on the MSP. And it's, it's, I know this sounds obvious, but often we find that MSPs subjugate and say the help desk is where the relationship resides. And that is not true at all. Hyperscaled businesses of any kind do not rely on the personnel on the phone to be the relationship manager of the customer. That is the job of the business owner of a smaller MSP or the account management team of a larger MSP. Be responsible and available for questions. So during our 90-day engagements with MSPs, we say that you, um, you need to have someone in a seat and they are what we refer to as an escalations manager. And what we mean by that is not we want to escalate bunch, a bunch of work to you. That's not how we're. That's not our how our model works. But what we're saying is we want to prevent escalations. And the best way to prevent an escalation is to get tribal knowledge going over to the benchmark um, technicians, so that the next time that issue arises, they can just solve it without your input. But that takes time. If you've been working, I was talking to a fellow yesterday that's been in business for thirty years, and the majority of his team have been with him for twenty-five years. And I said, man, this is going to be a big journey, right? We're going to do this and we're like, they're, they're, they're joining us and we're going to do this. And, and, and the reason they're joining is they can't find people and they can't do this. This 20, 25 year tenure doesn't exist anymore beyond their core group. And so we're going to help them. But I said, man, we got to work so closely together, hand in hand to make this work. And they get that. Documentation will never be perfect. If I had a dollar for every time an MSP said to me, what about documentation? Ours isn't up to date. Yeah, no one's as up to date. No one, literally no one. Um, even when you think it's there, it's not because there are some of these tribal knowledge things that, like, that are shorthanded or undiscussed within your organization that need to be talked about with an outsourcer. And the best way to do that is through real-time exercises, not walk away for a year and try to document. That'll never happen. Stay focused on the goal. It's, it's during a, an outsourced help desk engagement, what can often happen is that there are distractions. And so my very strong advice is to avoid taking on too many other initiatives or going away on vacation. Spend 90 days, bed it into your business. When it's bedded in, it can scale. And when it scales, you're off the tools and you're doing other things, whether that's lifestyle things or sales. Don't change stack midstream. That would probably be my biggest, um, my biggest takeaways. Um, many MSPs say, great, I've outsourced, now let's change RMM. Great, let's do, um, let's do an IT glue migration. Now is not the time. Let's get the people play right and then let's do the other stuff.
And then what about the customer? We have countless conversations with MSPs. We all speak the same language. Every people, the number of people were in um, discussions, discovery calls, and they're like, man, you, you guys just get it. This is going to be great. This is going to work perfectly. And there's almost no mention of the customer. There's no discussion about the customer. And we've learned again through um, you know, some, some, some hard times and gray hairs that the customer is the wild card especially if you have a bunch of unwritten expectations with that customer, you know, VIPs that are not documented VIPs. That like if, if, if Sally calls, you need to drop everything and fix Sally's problem. And that can be a problem when you outsource. It needs to be defined and the customer needs to have expectations set. So how do you do that? And here are some of the common ones. The customer says, I just want you to handle my IT issues personally. And the answer to that is, I just can't grow my business that way, Sally. I can't do it. I understand, and I know that that's how we began together, but I'm going, I need to stay ahead of risks and trends on your behalf. When we started out together, I wasn't that busy, but now I have to grow. And I'm not here to fix your printer. That's a service that we deliver. I'm here to think ahead, and I'm here to put things in place to prevent a disaster for your business. I only want to use local people. Now, let's um, leaving the prejudices aside of that, we know that this is a real issue. And so I only want to use local people. Well, okay, um, but just like you, we struggle to find talent in our town or city. It's getting really hard. And I think it's getting hard for you too, Mr. Customer. You know, it's funny, I'll just pause here, but eight or nine years ago, um, when we outsourced, we offshored our, our company, um, a lot of customers said, we don't want to do that. And we said, how are you doing? Are you able to find people? And they said, no. And I said, what if I show you that this can work and that you can do it too? And we actually ended up taking a lot of our customers on a journey and many of them are outsourcing as well now. I think it's actually par for the course. So don't be surprised if your customer says, yeah, I'm outsourcing too, at least something. The customer might say, what's in it for me? I like the status quo. I don't really care what your business is going through. I just want you to be on demand for me. You say, well, our vision is to support you promptly and we're not able to do that. We're not able to get to you. And in order to really serve you 24 hours a day, the way you expect us to, you need us to keep a monitor and an eye on things. We're going to have to charge significantly more because labor costs are skyrocketing. Everybody agrees on that. And so we wanna be in a position to manage your business, to respond to you promptly and to deliver 24 hour a day service to your company. <clears throat> now, whether that's 24 hour a day help desk or just keeping an eye on things from a security standpoint, 24 hours a day, either way, this point still stands. <clears throat> Excuse me, one moment. I'll have a glass of water. Some keys to customer success. So that's the early stage discussion. What about the ongoing discussion with MSPs? First of all, it's important that just like you and the outsourcer are developing some goals, your customer needs to understand why on earth you're doing this and what the goal is and what they get. And maybe what they get is not a price rise. Or maybe what they get is 24-hour support or maybe what they get is faster support. Whatever it is, put a number on it and tell them that that's what we're measuring. Remind them constantly 
that their business has just as many challenges as yours. Every business has people problems. Every business has a people conundrum, unless they're micro businesses where they just want to do everything themselves. And by the way, there's a lot of MSPs that that's what they want. They just want to do DIY everything themselves. And they're not a good contender for outsourcing. Provide pathways for feedback, not complaints. If you let your customer know that you're going to embark on a journey and it's going to be a few months to measure, then it's not about complaining. It's about how do we work together to make this work better? How do we calibrate? Next one's kind of a funny term to use because it often relates to relationships or people. Um, but address gaslighting. Anyone that's ever tried to scale their company knows what I mean. That's the person that calls up and complains and says, nobody came and told me. No one came when they said they were going to come. And when you look into it, it's just not true. No one ever told them they were coming at that time. Or you broke my outlook. But you're like, I wasn't even working. Or they weren't even working on your outlook. They were working on your printer or whatever. So gaslighting, I know that's a very extreme term, but it needs to be addressed. And it's particularly prevalent when you attempt outsourcing. And this is why account management is really key. Defend the team like they're your own. When you're outsourcing, it's a partnership. It's white labeled, or it should be. And therefore, the customer should not be privy to the, to the mechanism that you use to scale your business. And so when there's an issue, you need to go into back for your team. Trial different customers and different approaches. One of the things we really encourage our partners to do is test a group of customers or test a, a group of service types. And if that's not quite gelling, try a different group of customers. Don't throw it out and say it didn't work. We see people sometimes say, it's been three days, we tried this customer, they complained, we're out. I mean, what a, you know, and we've seen companies waste thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars doing this. Think about it more like a platform like a cloud platform that you want to scale and you want to test different instances, you want to test different apps on the platform and see what works for you if you're technically minded. Deliver that feedback to the outsourcer. Don't sit on it. Say, we took 10 complaints today and, and that's that and, and don't share it. How will the outsourcer learn if you don't provide them with that feedback so they can calibrate and regroup? This is another interesting story, and I say interesting because when we started Benchmark 365, our main goal was to offer a service to help MSPs increase their sales. Now, so what, wait, what? You know, outs how does outsourcing increase sales? Well, outsourcing increased sales by freeing up your capacity to focus your time and energy on sales. No one can do sales for you. People can help you generate leads. People can help you fine-tune your sales process but no one can do sales like you can. It's your company. You're the local. You know the hockey team. You know the baseball team. You know what happened in the football on the weekend, right? But no one else can do that for you. And so well, what our goal was, was like if we free up this MSP's time, it's just like a sales engine. And we've seen some success with that, but we've seen a lot of MSPs just keep DIYing and they don't focus on sales. But this fellow, Zach, went ahead and say, great, I've outsourced. Now I'm going to just knock on doors. And um, a few months ago, he came to us and he said, 
do you guys think you can scale up? I said, yeah, that's what we do for a living. We scale, scale teams. He said, right, well, we just walked into a company to do a security audit and their entire IT department walked out and they're a large global um, oil and gas company. And so he said, what are we going to do? And I said, cool, let's, let's scale a team, let's do it. As a result of that, and I'm not saying it wasn't chaos for anyone, but as a result of that, Zach has landed a $30,000 a month managed services contract with this company. And that's only for one office of that company. And there's a global um, group. And we're now working through and auditing them globally so that Zach can win the biggest deal that his company has ever seen. And they are a small company, not a big company. And the initial outlay for this company was $180,000 in project work primarily underpinned by the Benchmark 365 project team. Zach says, because we outsource our help desk and project work to Benchmark, I'm able to focus on local events, trade shows, and get our name out there to mid to large size enterprise and sell more deals. He plays himself off as a global player. He tells, he tells these companies he has over 100 people working for him, which is true, working for him by proxy through the benchmark team, and he wins bigger and bigger and bigger deals. And there's even a bigger one than this sitting in the pipeline right now, which is amazing. So well done, Zach. I think Zach might be in the audience today. And guys, there's also the full story about how Zach re-engineered his MSP for growth with outsourcing. And that's episode 35 on the podcast. Check it out on, um, on, on Spotify or wherever you consume your podcasts. So what do you do now? We've spent almost an hour talking together. It's just a, 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 an entry level overview, if you will, of how to successfully outsource. But what do you do now? I just want to reinforce some points here. The only difference, the only difference, the sole difference between a high-performing, fast-growth MSP is sales. We have studied again and again and again. We don't know any rich techs. We don't know any rich DIY MSP business owners that are on the tools doing level three support or level one support or whatever. And I'm not here to judge you or criticize you. If that's your passion and that's what you want to do and you're cool being small and you understand that there's a commercial limitation when you're a solo operator, then do that. That's okay. No one's here to judge that at all but just understand that the only difference between that approach and a high growth high performing fast growth high revenue very profitable msp is only sales it's not tech it's not your stack so don't believe that it's not true most MSPs, again, we've got the data. We've looked at all of these MSPs around the world, America, um, Europe, Australia, Asia, doesn't matter where the MSP is. Most that get to the $2 million mark or more spend 15 to 20 years doing it. We're often sitting there when we get a, an opportunity, a benchmark, and we're like, how big is the company? So that we know how to, like, what we're building for them. How big is the company? Woo, like $3 million. Wow, that's a, wow, can, you know, they beat the odds, $3 million. And then we look and they've been at it for 25 years. Now, again, um, for some people, that is a career that they love. For other people that are sitting here now, I would say, do you have 15 to 25 years to build something like this? Or is there a faster way, a better way to get you to the numbers 
that you're looking for. MSPs who solve the problem through outsourcing can hit scale faster. That's just a fact because the outsourcer has already built it. It's already there. The human capacity is there. The people capacity is there. So it's, a, it's like that. Now, like that, I'm not saying it's today. I'm not saying it's tomorrow. It might take three months or six months or even a year, but it won't take 15 to 20 years. Remember the 80-20 rule, the Pareto principle. Spend at least 80% of your time on revenue generating opportunities and 20% of your time calibrating and fine tuning your process. I hear a lot of the, we've all heard this, spend 80% of your time working on your business, not in your business. That is BS when you're small. That is not true. When you're small, it's hustle, 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 hustle. I wish someone told me that. I wasted several years in my early journey being a lifestyler and complaining that I wasn't making enough money. The early stage of any MSP, it's sales, 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 sales. And there's $1.3 trillion worth of work out there, or at least a couple of hundred billion, right? And so it's out there and the nine tenths of your competition don't focus on sales. So literally you could trip over just by doing sales, you could trip over and win more opportunity than any MSP in your region, which is phenomenal. Sales equals scale, it's just a fact. Let's recap the number one inhibitor. So we said before, the only difference between a, 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 a growing, profitable, big business is sales. And the inhibitor to that is the people conundrum, the capacity, the bandwidth. You cannot automate everything in your MSP. You need people. Big MSPs have lots of human capacity. Building an MSP team is fine, but most MSPs spend about 15 to 20 years doing so. Make a call now. Make it now. What do you want to do? Do you want to build? I have no judgment of that. I've built a big MSP. I've built a big company. But if I had my time over again, I actually wouldn't have done it. If I knew that something was out there that could help me shortcut growth hack and get me to a million, two million and beyond, I would have done it, but it didn't exist when I started out. It exists now in, ab in abundance. It exists now. Define a 90-day goal. What can you outsource? What's one thing or two things? And you could just relax. Don't try, to, don't try to eat the elephant all at once. Don't try to solve all problems. Rome wasn't built in a day. Define a goal. Pick a couple of things and do it. Outsourcing is very much a contact sport to blood sport sometimes. Outsourcing is a contact sport because you need to be very hands-on. It's your business. It's your brand. It's your people. It's your quality as a company. It's what you sell. You're selling. You're selling capacity. You're selling bandwidth. You're selling service. And so to do that, you need to mentor. You need to handhold. You need to work with the right people and give them time. There's a learning curve, just like you went through a learning curve and just like your team, but it's faster with outsourcing because some of the, the, the framework's already established. And take any time that you save with outsourcing and focus on selling. I see a lot of MSPs and, you know, I, I, you know one of the frustrations we have at, at Benchmark is that there are a lot of MSPs we work with that say, just tweak this one thing and then I'll focus on sales. 
just do this now and then I'll focus on sales. Just do that and then I'll focus on sales. And they've been saying it for three years, but they're not focusing on sales. Yet we know MSPs that don't even have a stack that are winning contracts every day, right? Now each to their own, but don't delude yourself. If you're saying, oh, I can only sell once my documentation's up to date, you're falling behind. Documentation will come. It will get dragged along with investment. And that investment comes from revenue coming into your business. So if you, if you're, if you are a partner of ours or you are thinking about becoming a partner, there's, never per, there's no such thing as perfection in service. There's always something to be improved, but capital helps improve things and capital comes from sales. Benchmark has a unique approach that uh, we developed over the last five, five and a half years or so, which we call the pilot. We like to say that most MSPs we encounter are kind of on the tarmac right now. Bunch of challenges, business isn't growing, struggling to find people. So you're on the tarmac and we need to equip those MSP leaders with the tools in order to be a, in order to pilot and then take off and reach a destination. That destination might be to double your company in size. That destination might be to stop working 100 now, 120 hours a week and maybe get it down to something more reasonable and rational. It takes an average of 90 days to calibrate an outsourcing program for, for your MSP. And anyone that tells you otherwise, think twice. It will take 90 days to work through a series of exercises. And we've clearly defined those exercises in order to set an MSP up for success. All of our engagements start with a no obligation 90 day pilot, which means you can try outsourcing, you can try an initiative, but you're not trapped or locked in with us. Give it a go. If it works great, awesome. You could be like Zach or Jeremy. If it doesn't work, then you haven't lost a lot. You can try something else. And we're very, open about that. Outsourcing may not be for everybody, but why not give it a try? It might change the way you do business forever. We focus primarily on quality control. I don't believe in getting bombarded in tickets on day one. How about we do one, prove it works amazing, and then how about we do another one? And eventually we reach a cadence, and that cadence might be like some of our partners, one to 2,000 incidents a month. And they're very happy with that. We have a world-class onboarding program that is tailored to your business. It's typically 15 business days. And we can send you this literature if you inquire um, with Nadi on the, um, uh, we'll explain at the end how to get in touch. We'll just visit our website and chat with us. We have a 15-day highly tuned onboarding program, but it can be longer and it can be less and you are able to customize it. We discover everything we can about your business. We review and we test platforms to make sure we're syncing up with one another. We conduct training and technical deep dives. We train you on how to have these challenging conversations with customers. And we train our personnel on how to work with your systems and your stack of which they've usually had considerable exposure to with other MSPs. And then we choose a go live date and we go for it. So it's a very, very uh, like well-tuned process. And many MSPs have actually said to us, just that alone changed the way they do business. 
Why outsource the benchmark? Well, we give you 80% of your time back. We cost 50 to 70% less than traditional hiring. You and your customers get 24 by seven support. We don't have nine to five plans. All of our programs are 24 seven. You only pay for what you consume. You don't buy endpoints. You buy incidents. It's consumption. It's a consumption model. If you have a slow period in your business, you can downgrade. If you have a peak period, you can temporarily upgrade. 30 days notice. And so these are things that are quite unique to our business model. We help you win those deals. That didn't win that deal on his own. That was a very, very complex engagement, high stakes, big money. We worked because we know how to win deals like that and we helped him win it. And our ongoing programs, we offer a monthly no lock-in contract. There are four, actually four ways to engage with Benchmark on a pilot program. We can be an accelerator for you. We can incubate your small MSP. We can be a team for you, meaning that we can work with and augment with an existing team, or we can be a scale, meaning that you're ready to absolutely take flight and hit a big destination so we can give you everything. Um, we can throw all of our firepower at you. And we also have enterprise levels for large, very, very large MSPs or divisions of telecommunication companies. And we have ways that it, to, to work with companies at that scale as well. So there's something for everyone. Um, Nadi, how does everyone get in touch with Benchmark? Since we operate in different regions, um, I'm available at hello at benchmark365.com. You can also call me at 516-530-7545, or you can visit our website and chat with us there. We get tons of inquiry, and I'm always amazed at how many people Nadi's speaking to and sharing information with. Just feel free to drop us a note anytime, and we'll send you what you need to kind of start, start your journey with us. As I said before, you can continue the journey, um, the learning journey. I believe that readers are leaders, so check out the book. I believe we're offering it for free via our website today. So jump on the website, grab a copy of the ebook. I know we're a little bit over time, and I'm sorry. I do love to love to talk, um, but those of you that are still here, any questions that you have for me or for Nadi? We have a lot. We have a couple on your screen, James. And okay. there's just one just confirming if the 1.8 is in US dollars or Australian dollars. <laughs> That's in Aussie dollars. Yeah. Yep, yep. But what's interesting about, and so like I, I'm obviously Australian, um, but what's fascinating about the world is the hourly rates in Australia, currency-wise, are the same as the hourly rates in America and the seat fees in Australia are kind of the same as America. And so whilst they're different economies, like 1.8 million, um, it's kind of like buy you the same as 1.8 million will buy you in the, in the United States in, in terms of correlating cost structure in Australia. So don't want to get too e complex about economics, but $1.8 million um, uh, two person business is staggering. It's a, it's a good business. So from Q&A, how does Jeremy handle on-site support? That's a great question. Um, like our MSP, Jeremy subcontracts a break-fix company that are based in the Sunshine Coast in Queensland, and they have an agreement together of a certain amount, number of hours and on-sites per month, and he controls the time that they spend on-site. Um, so what he would do is say, you know, I want you to go on-site there's a red blinking light. As soon as that light turns green, I want you to leave. And then the benchmark help desk takes over the job. So he, he controls his costs um, by not having an FTE. 
We have one from Farid. Thank you for joining, Farid. What level of introduction do you need to my customers so they can associate themselves with you as me? So I think we're talking about the white labeled option. Oh, that's a really good question as well. So during the onboarding program, we go through a series of exercises and we provide literature like um, documentation that goes to the customer, a PowerPoint presentation you can take them through if you need to, basically like explaining to them what to expect. Um, you can also depend, it really depends on the size of the engagement. This is a bit of a tricky one. So if you're sort of a smaller, you know, a small engagement with us, then there's like less of a dedicated um, resource group because we're seeing intermittent work from you. We're a fractional service. We might only see, for example, one ticket a week from some MSPs. So therefore, it's a bit more random. So it's hard to introduce, like we're going to introduce 100 people to your customer. That's a tough one. Um, but when you're larger and as you grow with us, there tends to be a bit more consistency around, you know, the, the personnel that you're working with. And you can kind of start to introduce those personnel along the way too. One thing I'll add there is... Um, what you start with is often what not, not what you finish with. We get a lot of MSPs that say to us, like, before they sign up, can I have, you know, the names, addresses, and phone numbers of everyone that I'll be working with? But, like, you might start with a limited engagement, and then you might, over time, that team will adapt. Your stack might change. Your size might change. And so we will be adapting that team and reprovisioning a team to meet the demand of the customer. So it's not just about customer relationship. It's about, that, like, the customer getting what they need on demand, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I think this is related to that, James. Uh, do you provide any pitch deck or sales deck to sell remote support IT services to SME or SMB prospects? Yes and no. <laughs> so um, this, there's a couple of different ways that we help with sales. One is we have peer groups so people can get together in a group and share documentation and literature with one another and what's working and what's not from a sales perspective. These are very sales oriented um, groups that we've developed and, work, and worked with different groups over time. The other one is MSPs that are growing fast with us and are wanting to sell, we're having a lot of one-on-one -on -one time with. So Zach, again, who um, has been a great partner, it's not unusual for him to say, right, I'm about to pitch at this company, can you can we collaborate and develop a deck together that meets this particular need? 100%, like with the size of the deals that he's doing, it's mutually beneficial for us to work together on that. Jeremy and I, for example, have developed um, different, different models together and certainly happy like when we're working with partners, we're happy to share whatever we've got. Um, but I don't want to overstate it and say that we've got like ready to go like documents for you to go and use. This is more on-site support, James. How does the boots on ground outsourcing work or do you only provide remote services? We only provide remote services, yeah. What we can do is because we work with a lot of MSPs in, in the US, um, uh, what's, what's common is an MSP will say, look, I, I want to work with you. I don't want to do on-site work anymore. Do you work with someone else that would be willing to do on-site for us? And often we're able to put, put you in touch with a partner. I believe that also answers this question. Uh, how does a one-man MSP address local support issues like new PC setup, networking, device issues, and isolation? I'd, I'd say my, my, there's, well, there's two angles to take there. Uh, well, three. Hire someone, which I don't recommend, um, 
because on-site work is becoming more and more intermittent um, for, for MSPs. Um, there's less and less of it even before COVID. Now it's not as common um, anymore. So if you can contract someone that you can rely on, there's a lot of hungry, you know, you're growing, you're, there's someone that's just like you that's a couple of years behind you. They're great people because they're hungry, they need money. I would say pay them really well. Like, you know, if you used to pay someone to go on site $60,000 a year or something as a full-time employee, and now, you know, you just want to send someone out twice a week, pay them a really high hourly rate right? Get them to go out. It's not going to cost you 60 grand a year. It might, I think in our MSP, which is fairly large in Australia, I think we spend no more than about five grand a year on onsite work with a contracted company that does that for us. So that's one angle. You could hire someone, you can contract someone, or you can, DIY, you can DIY it. You can say, look, it's so intermittent that that's one thing I'll just have to keep doing. One thing I did when I was smaller is I like onsite work because I get to go out provision the computer myself for the CEO, sit down and say, hey, man, your server needs upgrading. You know, it was airtime. Like I use, I use on-site work to sell. And so that's something maybe, maybe to contemplate um, at, at, at an early stage of your company. We have a couple more, uh, James. Mm. I think I heard you say we could save a lot of money by outsourcing, mm. but we need to invest in account management, marketing and sales, do you have any advice on other priorities like escalation manager, docs, documentation system, customer feedback systems? And do you have a user group or conference offering? Um, we have a user group, op user group meaning peer group. Is that what you mean? It's a yes. Yes, yes. So user groups, yes. Um, so partners meet together. We, we put people in groups that they think they're going to work, work well, gel well together as peers without being competitors. Um, do I have any other advice? My, my first, my biggest advice by far is to solve the people conundrum. That's just like every MSP that we took, every MSP, it doesn't matter if they're a $20 million MSP or a $50,000 MSP, they've all got people problems. Everyone's got people problems. And so until that's solved once and for all, a lot of these other things, in my opinion, just don't matter. My journey, I know some of you have been on the journey with us and learned from us in the past. My journey is that I struggled for about 12 years and just went around and around and around in circles, training people, losing people, training people, losing people. And so even though I tried to buy all this technology to solve the problem, it didn't solve the problem. I needed butts on seats. I needed people like if, if, Sally was away, then Johnny was there to take, take over the, the phones, right? And so um, get that problem solved, make the investment in that. And then the other investments become somewhat logical thereafter. So um, I don't know that you need to roll out a big account management team. I see too many MSPs shoot too fast on account management. When you're smaller and by small, I mean sort of probably sub $1.5 million, don't hire an account manager, just smash your margins. Once they've tightened up all your client relationships, there's nothing to do. And now they're, they're just an expense on the payroll. Do your own account management, do your own sales. As you start to get beyond 1.5 to 2 million, like Jeremy now, as he crosses 2 million, my advice would be to maybe retool Amanda as an account manager and she's doing some pseudo account management now. Um, your tech stack will shape around the sort of customers that you're, you're, you're landing. 
you know, again, when Zach started, I don't think he had a ticketing system. I don't actually recall him having a ticketing system, to be honest. But now he's in, he's making investments in 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 ticketing, you know, things like that. So just um, I don't have direct I don't have direct advice because that's just like, like there's just so many different things a business needs to do. Yeah, but people's people's the big problem. Down to the last two questions. Can you provide one-off cybersecurity assessment with detailed report as a service? Yes. It's a yes on that. (laughs) And the last one, I'm saving this for the last. What are you seeing as the most impactful ways of doing sales? Um, Press the flesh. No, this is always unpopular opinion. Um, Everyone... Everyone's looking for that quick fix. I've been in business for 20 years. Um, and um, I, you know, when I started, I was like, yep, yeah, I'll like manage services. Yep, it's just repeatable. And you know, you sell and it's just like one, two, three, four, five, two, black, you've got millions of endpoints under management. There's some veterans in this room um, today that have been at it as long as I I have, and they will tell you just like I will, that business is a marathon, not a race. Business is relationships. You know, taking people out to lunch, um, relationships forged in fire. You know, some of the customers that I have today in my MSP are spending $30,000, $40,000 a month with our company. And we've had some really crappy times together, really crappy times, right? And that only comes with time to be able to solve big problems and build trust and realize that we're good humans. And so my advice is to if amplify it. If you're only having one meeting a week, what would it take to have two? If you're only having two, what would it take to have 10? If you're only having 10, what would it take to have 20? And so it's sales is a numbers game. And if you can find some marketing to underpin, like to get you more conversations happening, by all means, yes. But if you can't, then I'd be using tools like LinkedIn. And that didn't exist when I started. I went and knocked, I physically went and knocked on doors and handed out business cards. And most of those customers are still with me today, the door knocking customers. Still have one more. Does your team support Google Workspace and Microsoft 365? Yes. So, um, by the way, the, the 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 question. Remember, I said in one of the earlier slides that um, this is not a tech solution. This is a people play, right? And so, a lot of MSPs come to us with like a Chinese menu of technologies. Like, do you do this? Do you do that? Do you do this? You know, no, no. The answer is yes, of course, like where we have a, a large team of very competent people. It's not whether we do it, it's like what, like that is a massive like piece of technology, like Microsoft 365, which part, right? Which element or Google Workspace, which element and how is it shaped and delivered to your customer? So what we say is we bring 90% of the capability to the table. The 10% is the how you do it different to the other MSP. Right. So, you know, Google Workspace. Okay, fine. But what, what, like, like, do you have a specific set of processes or troubleshooting steps that you prefer us follow? Otherwise we'll follow our boilerplate methodology. I hope that makes sense. I always get ones like, do you support VMware 5.5 with patch 2.3 that was released back in? And it's like, I don't, you know, it's, it's, it's like, when will that come up? Right, and will that be the only type of issue that will come up? I think, again, understanding you're not buying tech, you're buying a group of committed people with capacity and bandwidth to deliver to you 24 hours a day. One more thing on that, 
is that we remember I said at the start, we're an education focused company. That's not just externally. We have an internal academy, V365 Academy. We have internal trainers and those people are there to take your process and adapt that and train the team consistently. So if someone leaves our organization, someone else is trained, brought up to speed and put into the team that works on your account. I wanna thank all of you for joining us today. Um, I know we went a little bit over time, so thank you for indulging us and thank you for all your incredible questions. It was really great. Um, again, if you wanna get in touch with us, please visit our website, drop Nadi an email to hello at benchmark365.com. All of this is on our website as well. You can live chat. The live chat is not a robot, it's a human. You can ask the chat questions and they'll. you don't have to give them a complex algorithm or anything. They'll answer your questions because they're human. Um, and Nadi will reach out to you within a day um, uh, to answer any more questions that you have as well. So that's all for this one. I hope you tune into our next webinar, um, which will probably be around about the same time next month. Looking forward to um, seeing you all again soon. Take care. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to get your own copy of Infinite Scale, just go to benchmark365.com. And if you have any comments, feedback, or suggestions for future podcast episodes, just drop us a line at hello at benchmark365.com. Thanks for listening.